0: Good morning. Good to see you all. It's good to see some old faces, some new faces. Welcome. Nice to have you with us. What I wanted to do today, this morning, is to go over moving from Sashin to everyday life to what we do before, what we do after Sashin. And uh, I will say a few words about Sashin since we have some new people here. So last weekend, last Sunday, we came back from a few days of Sashin. And Sashin is what um, we may call, conventionally, what we may call a retreat. It may be called the Zen retreat, although... It's not really a retreat. We're not retreating, we are actually going in the other direction when we go to Sishin. We go inwardly, we stop retreating, we can say. We stop escaping, we stop running away from what we uh, habitually run away from and we sit with ourselves silently for multiple days, Uh, long days of uh, lots of meditation periods and other things that we do. And uh, the purpose of that is to come together to create a sense of unity and uh, to spend that time, uninterrupted time, looking inwardly and merging inwardly and outwardly in a nutshell. So... If you remember, those of you who were there, at the end, uh, during the uh, closing circle, I mentioned how, and I mentioned because it was actually uh, uh, apparent, how Sashin's bring out the best in us. And it was incredible to see how much dissolving had happened during Sashin and uh, also how much resistance we encounter. It's as if there are multiple parts, there are some parts in us or a part in us that wants to unite, wants to go back home to just one. And uh, other parts that are going to argue with that. And what I mentioned at the end of the session, the closing circle, is that while we may feel a sense of elation, a sense of some sense of dissolving, or unknotting some deep knots, as soon as we start to go back, we arrive home, things return very quickly. And we can feel knotted up again very quickly. So I wanted to, uh, to talk about that today how we move from this to that, how we maintain a sense of continuity in terms of uh, our Ango theme, which is Ango is a three-month training period, which we are in right now. And the theme for this Ango is ceaseless practice, ceaseless, uninterrupted, continuous practice. And it's very important that we know how to use what we came in touch with during Sashin knowing how to use it going forward into moment-by-moment life or whatever we encounter in moment-by-moment life. So I'll talk a little bit and I want to open it up and see if we can have a short Mondo on that. So going back to uh, Dogen's Gyoji, which was brought up at the beginning of this Ango period, So, I'm going to go back to a paragraph, a couple of paragraphs from that, and then talk about it. Dogen said The underlying principle of this practice is that the whole universe in all ten directions receives the merit of our ceaseless practice. Though others may not recognize it, though we may not recognize it ourselves, still it is so. So, the merits of this practice. What we do, what we encounter, what we dissolve, or encountering a sense of continuity in ourselves and then merging with everyone else and our reality is benefiting everybody, not just us. Obviously, when we encounter oneness or unity, how could anybody be excluded? So whatever is going on inside will affect what's going on outside. So we take responsibility for what's going on inside, work with it, dissolve knots, and then obviously it's being shared by everyone, with everyone. As a result, owing to the ceaseless practice of all the Buddhas and ancestors, our own ceaseless practice has clearly manifested and Owing to our ceaseless practice, the ceaseless practice of all the Buddhas clearly manifests and the great way of the Buddhas pervades everywhere. And, owing to our ceaseless practice, the Buddha's way rolls perpetually onward. Accordingly, Buddha after Buddha and ancestor after ancestor have dwelt within Buddha, have acted from the heart of Buddha, And have fully manifested Buddha. And they have done so without a single moment's interruption. Due to this ceaseless practice, there is the sun, the moon, and the stars. Due to this ceaseless practice, there is the great earth and the vast expanse of space. Due to the ceaseless practice, there is body and mind, along with the internal effects of our past karma and the external conditions of our surroundings. So this, is, this last paragraph is very important because it is making the connection or it's pointing at how we need to make a connection between what we encounter and then how we use it going forward. So our practice is designed designed to shed light on the Dharma, which is none other than shedding light on the way things are by nature. Before the mind adds layers of personal interpretations and elaborate perceptions that become a source of attachment and identification. Observing life or reality as it is, it is revealed as revealed as dynamic, interconnected, non-dual, and fully expressed as ceaseless, without a single moment's interruption, as Dogen says. That's what we encounter. It's not what we seek. It's not what we're trying to create. It's what we encounter when we observe life. However, this is not the way we experience ourselves or our lives, which is where the discrepancies come from. The view of ourselves is static, often disconnected, alienated, divided, stagnant, and unyielding. I should highlight that. Unyielding. Or resistance. Resistive. Which is also the way, which is also what the practice is designed to shed light on. So the practice is showing life as it is, And at the same time, it is showing the way we are with life. It shows us how our self-concernedness creates a sense of misalignment with life and how this discrepancy contributes to our harmful speech and actions. And so by observing the way life is and recognizing the way we are with life, we develop a fresh, or we can develop a fresh, vantage point and can slowly work on dissolving the rigidity of our mind, merge with reality and essentially change the trajectory of our lives. It's very important, it's very urgent that we do so. Individually and as a society. And So when we take on and maintain ceaseless or seamless practice, We become a living manifestation of the Buddha way, which is the way a Buddha will manifest as Dogen expresses. So what Dogen is saying is, is Dogen's words can sound out there at times. It's almost like a language by itself. So it's important that we, we translate the words To understand how do they affect, what do they mean in our lives? What does it mean for me today, now, here, dealing with what I'm dealing with? Coming down from the mountain, from Sashin, merging again with everyday life, everyday challenges, tasks, work, family, traffic, pandemic. So... And it is extremely relevant. But we have to translate it so we can assimilate. As Dogen says, owing to our ceaseless practice, owing to our ceaseless practice, the ceaseless practice of all Buddhas clearly manifests. And the great way of the Buddhas pervades everywhere. Again, who will not benefit It's not just benefit. Who is not affected by our propensity to cause harm? So in the same token, who will not benefit when we realize our propensity to cause harm, do something about it, dissolve a little bit, become a little bit more yielding, more accepting, more flowing? Of course, everybody will benefit. The whole universe, he says, in all ten directions, receives the merit of our ceaseless practice. Just animate, inanimate as well. Though others may not recognize it, though we may not recognize it ourselves, still it is so. He's not asking us to buy it. He's not selling the dharma. He's asking us to examine, to look, which is what we do, which is what we do on the cushion in Zazen, and what we do continuously in Sashin. The only difference between Zazen, one period of Zazen, and multiple periods during Sashin, is that we just do it again and again and again and again, continuously. So our ability to develop a deeper level of a deeper level of samadhi concentration obviously grows because we do more of it but it's not different in essence from what we are doing every time we see zazen so what Dogen is saying is that this is what we want to examine he's saying still it is so It's not enough to read it. It's not enough to think, well, you know, this is Dogen. He knows what he's talking about. It's not enough. Dogen is not asking us to trust him. He's he's asking us to trust our innate nature. But first we have to get in touch with our innate nature so we can trust it. A dynamic and interconnected being is naturally acting in a way that, that are, ways that are of benefit to others, which is what the Buddha is. And yet, since we are deeply habituated and the propensity to cause harm is strong, the shift from a rigid self to a dynamic being takes a great deal of tenacity, patience, courage. And trust. And again, this is where maintaining daily Zazen is absolutely essential. It's kind of like deep tissue massage. Working on a muscle that has been in this same position for a long, long time. Everything is knotted up. One ball of knots. I work on it and work on it and work on it, and it actually will dissolve. And when it starts to dissolve, fresh blood, fresh nutrients flow in because that's what it does. And then there is a sense of being dynamic, flowing, life, joy. So, daily zazen, and same with sashins. Now we had—it's been two years since we went to Sichin because of the pandemic, and and uh, was incredible. It was incredible on so many levels. But we were reminded of how important it is to to go to Sichin. Now to go to Sichin and not to come back and then. File this as, that was a great experience. And I'm going to talk about it for the next 10 years. And I think we all know people who have gone to, I don't know, Vipassana, 10 days or something like that, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and keep talking about it. And what's the point? You know, the, the, the point of practice actually is to do it again and again and again until it loses the sheen. And it's not so, wow, it's great. To lose that. To completely lose that, to shed it so it actually does the real work it needs to do on us. There's nothing special about it. And that's what makes it so special. It's not something to run home and Share with others. No, we are sharing it, of course, but not not by words. We're sharing it through our being, the way we interact with other people. So, sishin after sishin after sishin, zazen after zazen after zazen, intensified practice period after intensified practice period until there is a time or there is a point that it becomes gapless. So it's not so, it's not such a stark difference between what happens when we go up the mountain and then what happens when we go down the mountain. That's the point of practice. That we shed the gaps, we shed the divisions. Not that we create another division from what's, up the mountain and what's down the mountain. Here is the monastery with everything that comes with it and here is my everyday life with everything that comes with that. Those two need to merge. This is why we have in our practice ascending the mountain and descending the mountain again and again and again. The ascending the mountain is not just uh, um, Metaphorically, physically, we do go up the mountain in, in our case because this is where the monastery happens to be. So we do go up. We encounter what we encounter. We go down. We work with it. We assimilate. We allow it to penetrate body and mind. We go back up. We go back down. Again and again and again and again. Until we forget about up and we forget about down. And the ascending the mountain is realizing to whatever extent we realize. We're not measuring. And the going down the mountain is going to where everybody else is. Because this is where it's needed. And this is where we need to bring what has been realized. We have to bring it to everyday life and share it with everybody. So that exposure is necessary and in sushin during sushin or during zazen we observe we become the witnessing presence as we say right what do we observe what do we see what do we find a mind that has a lot to say about everything and everybody the mind of picking and choosing. During Zazen, during structured Zazen, for example, the mind that is picking and choosing is not given a choice. Because Zazen, because we have a timekeeper, we call him Jikido, he is deciding when we begin and when we end. So we relinquish the need, the desire, to make decision. And then we trust. Right? So, so the mind that is, that is given so much power, the mind of picking and choosing, that usually, conventionally, is given so much power over our lives, is no longer in charge for that time period. How great is that? and then it's the same but expanded during an intensified training period like a sishin over a period of few days, that mind is on break. Well, it's not on break but because it's still churning. But in reality, that mind does not get to decide anything. It's going to argue with you, with us. Because it doesn't like... To be in the periphery. It wants to be in charge. It wants to have the last word. So one of the beautiful things about Sashin is that everything is decided for us. What time we get up, what time we walk, what time we sit, what time we eat, what we eat. And and the beautiful thing about this particular last Sashin is that while there was a schedule because of an issue that we had there with the plumbing, we had to change the schedule and we had to relocate from one structure to another, from one building to another, which was exactly what we needed. But while we were while the, the schedule changed, we encountered something very important. We encountered that maybe at the beginning of Sashin we had resistance to that, After a little while, we became attached to that particular schedule. Because that's what the mind does. And then when life came and said, you got to drop that schedule because this is a new schedule and you got to drop this building because this is the building we're going to sit in. The mind had something to say about that too, obviously. Because that's how it functions. So what could be greater than that, than having the opportunity to, in midstream, while we are working on developing deepening samadhi, in midstream, change now. Yeah, but I was just getting into something. No, stop it. Go. And then, while moving, who says that this is wrong? Who is saying that this needs to be We're saying that samadhi needs to leak now. It doesn't have to leak. It can actually deepen. So samadhi can be maintained while we pull cushions from one structure to another while the mind is saying, I don't like this. I think this is wrong. Great. The mind thinks a lot of things. So what, right? While the mind thinks this is wrong, the legs go over there and the mind will follow along because it has no choice. And then it ended up being incredible, an incredible opportunity. I think we all experienced that and we all felt how we all felt the oppo- new opportunity that we were given. And, and the thing with that is the not knowing, the practice of not knowing was in our face because we did not know that this will happen and then we did not know how it will be when it, when it happened. So we created a schedule and, and when we went to the new building, that, that day, the next morning, the, the idea was, the plan was to do a warm-up upstairs. So when I came in that morning, five o'clock in the morning, I went out to the deck, and the answer was obvious. Here's where we're going to do the warm-up, outside on the deck. That was not something that was decided a moment before that. Life decided that. More space, the brisk air, the lake. We talked about merging our own breath with the breath of the universe at the beginning of Sashin. Well, what could be better than that? We don't have to cram to a small room and do that. It's right there. So when when it was announced that we're going outside for the warm-up, there were some frowned faces right outside in this weather i don't want to do that again the mind says i want something else and here is another opportunity to work with it to take it take it along for the ride And then back to Dogen. Dogen said, due to this ceaseless practice, there is the sun, there is the moon, the stars. Due to the ceaseless practice, there is the great earth and the vast expanse of space, which is what we encounter being outside. But due to the ceaseless practice, there is also the body and mind, along with the internal effects of our past karma and the external conditions of our surroundings. What is he talking about? if, If we want to truly experience uninterrupted practice, we need to include everything. Everything. Inside, outside. Life as it is. This body as it is. And our conditioning and our karma. Exactly as it is. And we are conditioned. It's not a question. And we do have we do encounter very powerful karma. While we are working on what we're working on, there is that resistance that will try to pull us in other direction. Changing the trajectory will inevitably come with resistance for the work on changing trajectory. In Buddhism, We call it Mara. Yes, I have to drink so you can move, please. Adjust. (laughs) Mara. So Mara is, well, you just go back quickly to uh, what the Buddha experienced in his, the night of visualization. While he was sitting, deepening his practice, deepening samadhi, Mara came and tried to convince the Buddha to go back to being a prince, to have this great life with lots of stuff in a palace, beautiful women, lots of jewels, And the Buddha kept sitting, and then Mara said at some point, okay, fine, you realize whatever you realize, who is here to witness it, to support it, to say great job. And the Buddha touched the ground and said, this ground is my witness, I don't need anybody else to witness. Then Mara left. And then the Buddha said that later on throughout his life, Mara kept coming back disguised as a friend. To try to convince him to go back to a different life. And this is us, obviously. This is our conditioning. This is the different aspects in us it which shows up as resistance, as I have opinion, as what's the point? Why should I practice? Why should I sit? And it's very strong. It will be very strong. So we have to acknowledge it and this is why the is saying is that this body as it is and of course our conditioning and our karma right the internal effects of our past karma the internal effects is what we encounter when we sit it's what we encounter when schedule changes and we don't like it or something changes we don't like it so it's good it's part of practice. It has to be part of practice. But we have to be careful because it can destabilize us. Well, it's a fork on the road. It can actually deepen our practice or rob us out of practice. And those of you who have been here for a while have seen many who have come and go and left. That's what happens. We're not... Faulting them or not judging them or anybody, we actually understand why it happens. We have to understand why it happens because it happens to all of us. So we have to know how to nurture the practice constantly, every day. It's the same as nurturing a plant. We have a plant, you know, many of us bought plants and killed them, right? We all know what that feels like or looks like. We buy a plant, it looks beautiful, and I'm gonna take care of this thing. It's beautiful. A couple of months later or a couple of weeks later, what happens? So we buy a plant. If we really want the plant to, to do well, we have to actually understand the needs of the plant. Plants are not the same. Right? Maybe this plant needs less water. Maybe I put too much water, I kill it. Maybe it needs more water. I put too little, I kill it. More light, less light. Air, whatever. Trim it. It needs attention. It needs nurturing. It's the same with our practice. It needs to be nurtured. We have to understand what it takes. What does it take to nurture a practice? Of course, Zazen Kai Zazen, reading, chanting, sitting, all of it. All of it is nothing but nutrients for our practice. So if the mind says, I don't like this nutrient, what do we do with that? Because the mind will say, I don't like 35 minutes of zazen. I, like, I prefer 25 minutes of zazen. I don't like so much chanting. I like less, I like more chanting. I don't like whatever, jihatsu or robes, or bowing, or, or kinhin, or whatever it is. But instead of asking the mind what it thinks we need to do, we have to look at what the practice is. So we have to turn towards who we are. We have to study that. This is what we're doing every time we see it. We study. We explore. We get in touch we understand the, the true needs, and then we can work with that. And in terms, in term, in terms of ceaseless practice, means, it means to experience constant uninterrupted flow in life. In life, So we, we move towards that, and we feel stagnation pulling us in a different direction. Stagnation in, in forms of thoughts, in forms of resistance in forms of opinions, in forms of feeling disconnected rather than unified, forms of judging others, judging ourselves. That's how it shows up, which is fine. What we have, again and again, what we have to do is, again, turn to the practice, ask, what do I need to do to keep nurturing it? And do it. So we have a little time and what I want to do is just open it up for a bit and find out and see where we're at. And we may do it again next week if, if we need to. What are the obstacles? What, do, what obstacles do you find in your practice, in your life, that prevent you from experiencing constant flow, from staying nimble? Where is the static there? There is this that is pulling us from clarity, from having the resolve to steadily move forward. So where are we at with this? Yeah, you can go ahead and I'm going to, while you do it, I'm going to go and connect the speaker. Should I
1: speak?
0: You should speak. Okay.
1: Okay, so the this, this, uh, session for me was absolutely amazing. Um, it was a very deep experience, and, and I know it was a deep experience for most people who were there. Um, yes, um, I think the biggest obstacle for me coming back is the separation between being there biggest obstacle is the emotions involved. Um, when I'm in Sashin, um I do have everybody struggles with different things, right? So I, I struggle with some emotions that I have. And, Sorry, but um, then you, you can't hear. Can you hear me? I'm able to work with those emotions. I'm able to sit through it and, and be with it and understand that um, it's not part of my flowing self. Uh, but when then I get back, I feel them all come in at me, and and maintaining uh, the flow, the emotional flow, the psychological flow within myself becomes the the hardest thing to do. Um, think just thinking about where we were and where we are now uh, as different places also it's very difficult because really the monastery is inside it's not there although it's beautiful there and I love it there um, it's, it's here but being able to feel that always is, becomes a constant reminder, reminder Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Where's yoga Myogen? Mjolnir's here. You know.
0: So being able to do that. If anybody online, if you want to speak, uh, please unmute yourself and go for it. I
2: can go. This is an L. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah. back from Sashin as a way to remind myself in the morning that this matters and um, to more actively need the day. And sometimes when I'm lying in bed and uh, I have the bell going off across my room so I have to get up, I think, oh, it would be so much easier for me to get up right now if it was Sashin because I know everyone's going to be exercising at 5 and if I'm late, it's going to be a whole thing. And I think that's its own struggle too. Is the way that my mind goes back and says, "Oh, this would have been easier at Sashin. and there's a way that I have a nostalgia for it, which is not, which is um, not reflective of reality because what has happened has happened, and this is. Uh, in some ways, this is my session right now, or my practice is always ongoing, whether alone, uh, physically, or with twenty-eight people in a temple. I've been trying to hold on to that. I I've been trying to remind myself of the idea that it's a that I am still part of a global community of practitioners, and that. Also now, everyone that I meet, even if they aren't part of the zendo, is still someone that I'm practicing with. It's very different and less concrete than it was with the zendo, where we were all sitting together in silence.
0: Thank you. Anyone else? Any questions, comments? Yes. Yes, please. Hi.
3: So, um, yeah, I was thinking about the first uh, line of the I think that not, uh, not a hair's breadth of distinction between good and bad. But that that idea. So, for me, I think of it like the whole Japanese thing, you know, that place Daibu Satsu was so exquisite, and then you know, and then we went there and despite everything, that's you know, the, the beauty of the, of the tables and the floors and the place. And, and I found myself really trying to sink into that, the trees and the lake and the wind and everything. And I found that you know, with all that Zazen, I, I got to a state of like, ah, oh, the wind, ah, oh, you know, oh, the leaves. that walk around the lake that we took. You know, and I found like, this is it. You know, it's so beautiful, it's so perfect. Um, But I think I maybe there's a tendency to sort of glorify that, and so like now I think okay I'm looking out there there's those, those beautiful trees there those trees are just as beautiful as any other trees but I guess the thing is is like even here this morning if I'm sitting zazen I can and I try focus look at those trees the leaves are turning beautiful colors there's some orange and some red and like that. Okay, so part of me thinks that's the whole focus of Zazen. But then I remember, you know, maybe the overflowing septic tank is just as much a part of the experience. The, you know, I think there's a koan that's like shit on the stick or something like that. That maybe that's the, I don't know, I'm like, what am I focusing on here in Zazen? Whether I'm at the Taibusatsu, in New Jersey, at home, or whatever. Am I always just trying to focus on the exquisite beauty of this Buddha statue and, you know what I mean, like all that stuff, the grains of wood and the the thing over here? Or is it something else? I'm
0: asking. Okay, anybody else? Online. Okay, can you bring that? Thank you. Can you hear now? Everybody online? Good. Okay, so, well, a couple of things. We're gonna wrap it up in a few minutes, but uh, first of all, uh, what El was saying about uh, feeling the sense of community when we are not together physically sharing the same space, this is very important, especially with what we do, right? Having some of you on Zoom, some of us here in person, And uh, maybe more importantly, the fact that we are not, we're not monastic, right? We're not sharing the same space. We live differently, right? So, and that's connecting to what Kako was saying too. So different doesn't mean not the same, right? So, and, and it's very important, right? Because if it's only different, then there is a problem because I want to go over there. Because there is, you describe it as, as beautiful, right? Exquisite. Well, I don't, don't think everything you'll describe as ex- exquisite, right? Because certain things that we experience there, you may not, right? The overflowing. Yes. Right. So we have to get away from the definitions, right? You know, that this is, this is beautiful, this is not, this is great, this sucks. right? That's what we need to step away from. Right? So so to to experience constant flow doesn't mean we don't see, doesn't mean we don't move right or left when the time comes. We do make decisions, but going one mile east is going one mile west, as Dorgan said. Right? So there is that. So that connects to, to feeling the Sangha all the time, feeling a part of a community, not just the Sangha, but the Maha Sangha, everybody. So there are different Sanghas in Buddhism, in Zen, which we, we did feel that going there because we, we did have a merging experience between two traditions, right? The Soto and the Rinzai, we talked about that. So there's that, but then there is everybody else, everyone. I mean, we, we are practicing something, but we don't want to practice something and then keep it. This is my group of people. Which then again, you know, we're creating a, a sense of segregation between this community and the rest of the world. And then we may think that we are better than everybody else. That's not the point. That's what we're trying to do. So expanding, constantly expanding and constantly shifting From that, the way the mind works, segmented, chopping up reality, chopping up groups of people, to a sense of unity, constant sense of unity. So constancy and unity work together. So your question, should I do this, should I do that? Whatever is happening, that's the entry point. You don't have to judge it. Is it a good entry point? Oh, is it not so good it's as, it's as good as any other entry point doesn't matter where you find yourself unless you say to yourself it's not available here then you don't give yourself the opportunity to see it here because you're saying no I gotta go there to experience it i gotta get, i have to be with these people to experience I got chant i gotta whatever right so that's what we need to move away from. Or we can, this is how the mind shows up, right? The, the mind that chops things up to. So, another opportunity. That's all it is, another opportunity. Couple of minutes uh, before we finish. Any last word, question, comment? Anyone? Okay.